1: Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House USA, the place where you get the chance to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders in America. My name is Nick Hoadley and I'm the CEO of Insurance Search. We specialize in helping insurance businesses grow and multiply their growth by attracting, recruiting and retaining the highest performing insurance professionals in the country. Each week in the coffee house, we interview leading insurance business leaders and discover how they achieve their success, learn what advice they have for other aspiring insurance business leaders, and we discover what makes their business an attractive proposition for high-performing talent. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Michelle Twyman, who is an Executive Vice President at Chubb and heads up the company's commercial division for the New York region. Welcome to the show, Michelle.
0: Good morning, Nick. Thank you for having me.
1: Michelle it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I've been really looking forward to hearing your thoughts and and insights into the insurance industry. Before we start I'd like to ask you about your your time at Chubb. You've been at Chubb for a a very long time and, and, and risen up through the ranks to your position now. Would you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit more about your career journey there?
0: Sure. So I am long-term career employee with Chubb. I'm celebrating 35 years this year, which for many of your listeners probably cannot imagine staying with one organization for 35 years. And it's not as if I set out saying, let me spend my career journey there, but I've been afforded tremendous opportunities at the organization. I've grown my career, I've made lifelong friends, and I've continued to be challenged and have fun during that journey so it's been a wonderful place to to build a career
1: fantastic and, and how did that start if we turn back 35 years how did you have uh, that first opportunity with Chubb?
0: so Let me take you back to my time in college when I was doing some internships over the summer. Uh, My father was an executive at another insurance company based in New Jersey. And over the summer, like most college students, I needed a job. So who do you rely on? Friends and family. So I did an internship at his carrier during those college years. And when I first came out of college, I never set my eyes on insurance. I was looking into banking and finance. And at the time, really getting into Wall Street and banking was not really the Um, You know, didn't afford the, the career opportunities. So I took a completely different pivot and I joined an airline. It was a startup airline called People Express, something entirely different. But when I came out of college, it was a fun job. I traveled the country, was able to visit friends. And about 15 months into that job, I realized I probably needed something a little bit more stable. I was in a new relationship with who was now my husband and telling him, let's go out on a date on a Tuesday night. That's when I was off. Really didn't work with his schedule. So I ultimately decided maybe I needed to find a real job. And that's when I set my sights back on insurance and joined Chubb at that point.
1: That's amazing. So you you were working for a company for 15 months and you decided it Didn't quite fit with with your life aspirations and and, and fit in with your lifestyle. And then you you ended up working for the next business for for 35 years. Exactly. Obviously, the, the business would have changed a huge amount during that time. What's that been like developing your career as a company has been progressing and expanding over that period?
0: Yeah, so I would say, you know, way back when I first started at Chubb, coming in as, you know, a new employee and as a woman in the industry, you know, it was a very different environment. We were working closely with agents and brokers in our, you know, field structure, but there weren't a lot of women that I was engaging with. It was predominantly, you know, male principals, maybe in their family owned business for many years. So it was just a different environment. And I would say in my formative years coming up, You know, I wasn't sure if I wanted a long term career, I was newly married and starting a family and trying to balance it all. But I would say that one thing I've always credited myself with is being competitive. And when I set my eyes on something, I want to do well, I want to succeed. But more importantly, as I started to build up a team, I wanted them to succeed. So I would just say it became a natural progression that I started to build my career and continue to advance, not only at Chubb, but also to start to build long-term relationships with our agents and brokers out in our field community.
1: Great. And coming through to the present day now, you now head up the commercial division for that New York region. Would you mind just sharing a little bit more about that, maybe the geographics and the, the team that you have there now?
0: Sure. So our New York region is comprised of the New York metro area and the surrounding uh, New Jersey, New York offices. So Chubb has seven North America regions and plus one in Canada, so eight in total. So I lead up one of the larger ones. Um, I have a team of 80 underwriting professionals that work on my team. And we are basically charged with uh, driving business production with our agents and brokers in that New York metropolitan area you know, developing relationships, developing new business opportunities, providing products and services.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle. I I always say each week, it's great to get a bit of an insight into you and and your career before we start the questions. Before we kick off with the meatier questions, what's your go-to coffee of choice in the morning?
0: Wow. I am a big Keurig K-Cup fan. So, and I like a medley. So I've already had my Folgers and I've always already had my magic dark brew this morning. So, I've had two cups already.
1: Ah, Very nice. Very nice. I'm actually on my first of the day and it's uh, three o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, gee. (laughs) Great stuff. Michelle, how did you break into your leadership position and how did you find that transition from your previous role where you might be more customer focused or, or maybe more on the technical side of things?
0: Yeah. So I would say, you know, over my career, I've always been in a management position, leading teams. But as I further advanced my career and really honed in on running larger profit and loss divisions, that's probably where in the last, you know, 10 plus years, I've really developed my stronger and more senior leadership skills. So the role I'm in now, I actually moved into an August In 2020, so smack in the middle of the pandemic. But I want to take you back because it's a role that I really was, you know, really having conversations and really expressing my interest in for the past two years. So prior to this immediate role, I was running our commercial multi peril, which is our package product, and in the middle market, the package product is really the linchpin of commercial insurance products. And I was in that role for just under two years. I was asked to take that role because we were leading a new. Initiative to develop a new package product. So, some new product for the industry, as well as a new platform that it was going to sit on. I had experience with delivering product and I had experience with delivering a new product platform. So, I was asked to take that role. And when I was asked to take it, I had only been in my prior role for about 18 months. So, to me, it was a little quick to move into a new role, but realizing it was something that I was being asked by senior leadership to step into, I did. But I also realized at the time, use this as a negotiation of some sort, that when my current job opened up, I wanted to be considered. So I started the discussions two years ago to say when this New York region field job opens up, I want to be considered for it. And here's the reasons why in my experiences. So I laid the groundwork two years ago for this particular job.
1: Wow. So you really took control of that process in your career path there. So it worked out well. You're in that position now. How did that go down?
0: Well, it's interesting. One of your prior uh, contributors, Carl Bloomfield from the Graham, spoke of this in his podcast about you need to own and manage your career. And I've always been a big proponent of that. I think it's important that you communicate with others about what your interests are and what you want to do in your career and why you bring value to the organization. But at the end of the day, sitting back waiting for somebody to tap you doesn't always happen. I've coached people over the years that when a job comes up internally for an organization, if it's the first time you raise your hand for that job or the first time you apply internally for the job, chances are you're too late to the table because there's already been candidates that have either been identified through succession planning or candidates who have started the discussions over the past X months or years that that's the job they want. So it's really important that you lay the groundwork for what it is and where you want to go. But also you have to have the success and the results to help you get there. Mm -hmm. So I've always had open conversations with, with my senior leadership team and making sure they understood, you know, what I wanted to do for the organization and the value I bring to the organization.
1: Thanks, Michelle. That's brilliant advice. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will really value that and take that on board. What would you say has been the largest or the biggest achievement you've had in your leadership career today?
0: So, I would say it's really the body of work. So, I have been one of, I think, one of the few people maybe in the industry who's been able to move from a field leadership position to a home office running a product portfolio to running a team developing a new product and platform and to running a large operations team. So, in 2007, I moved out of the underwriting P&L responsibilities and I ran a large operational structure. It was basically all the back office support for the organization at the time. You know, having come out of the business side running into operations I really was able to bring that influence of what do our customers need? What is good service? When we say we deliver X in so many days or X product or X quality, did that really correlate with what our agents and brokers wanted? So I would say my, my biggest achievement is what I refer to as, I think I'm a utility player because I've been able to do a broad range of roles for the organization. And that's because I've been able to bring both my P&L, my customer service, my field, you know, engagement yeah. with agents and brokers into a culmination of a leadership position.
1: And do you think your your long career being at one company like that, being at Chubb has afforded you those opportunities that you you might not get if you joined another organization that they're, they're going to look for a track record maybe in those positions? Do you, do you think that's an easier internal move?
0: And Nick, I think that's a great question. Do I think I've been successful in one company with those opportunities? Yes.
1: Hmm.
0: But I think, you know, as you, folks are looking for opportunities out there, if they have a varied background, if they have an operations background and they have an underwriting background, you know, while they may still want to focus on one particular area, it's important that they bring it all to the the discussion in an interview about what the vast skills they have. Because again, having an operations background and underwriting background just makes for a better customer experience when you're working with our agents and brokers.
1: Yep, definitely, definitely. And you mentioned earlier about applying for positions, which, you know, potentially might not be quite ready for, but they're going to be positions down the line that that you want to be noticed for. So has there ever been a time where you've been overlooked for a position? And then how did you go about dealing with that?
0: Yeah, so I'd like to say in 35 years, it only happened once, but it happened more than once, believe (laughs) it or not. But what I would say is the one that probably is the most formative to me. um, So in 2015, I was having discussions with our senior leaders at the time. Um, I was now in this operations role running a large operational structure, and I wanted to get back into the PL side. And we were talking about what those opportunities would look like. And during this time, Chubb was acquired by ACE, and we formed a new organization called a- Chubb Limited. Um, but because we were acquired, all my discussions were put on hold because clearly we were looking at a new organizational structure. During this time, you know, we had folks move into new positions as well as we had folks leave the organization. So a position opened up running our underwriting centers for Chubb North America. And I stepped up right away and said, that's the job I want. I have product experience. I have field experience. I've been running large operation teams. That's the job I want. And that's the job we were having discussions on. So this was over a two-week period. And two weeks in, I get a call from our division president at the time. And he says, Michelle, great news. I'm gonna offer you the role of running excess casualty for North America middle market. And I went dead silent on the phone. And I said, wait, we never talked about that job. The job I want is running the underwriting centers. And he said to me, I know that. But I have other people who can run an underwriting center. I need you to run this product. And Nick, what I realized then was the company was affording me an opportunity to get back into a P&L role. And I personally thought it was a stretch for me because I had been out of underwriting for about 11 years at that point. But I decided, you know what? If they were putting the confidence and faith in me, I was going to step in and do my best. And it played out well because again, it got me moving from excess casualty to running our package line of business to this regional job I'm in now. So. I'm very thankful for that opportunity.
1: Yeah, so it all worked out very well for you in the long term. That's great to hear. Moving on to present day, how is your division or how is Chubb using uh, technology or implementing digital change to really help and exceed your customers' needs?
0: Yeah, so, you know, I would say that Chubb has always been um, a dynamic company in terms of, you know, digital and technological um, advancements, you know, moving into a full shutdown One is we as a company, were capable of flipping the switch and everybody working from home. Kudos to our IT and our infrastructure team for continuing to booster that. What I would say where we're really focusing is harnessing the data-rich environment we have as an organization. When you bring Ace and Chubb together and you look at all that data we as two companies hold um, about buyer behavior, industry experience, profit opportunities, et cetera really affords us a competitive advantage. We're also looking to use third-party data. We want to make transactions quick and seamless for our customers. If we can use third-party data to start to fill in the blanks um, on a new business submission, that's less that we're asking our agents and brokers to fill out. We're also using uh, drones. So, you know, since lockdown, clearly getting claims adjusters and personal lines appraisers out um, we've been able to use drones to really expand our you know knowledge and underwriting information on property risks, etc. Chubb also is investing in shore tech firms so we're a uh, investor in bunker and we also have launched our own proprietary system or a proprietary product called blank which is really focused on digitally minded people. It's really to provide insurance coverages for unique needs and you know as millennials are looking for, Insurance—they're not maybe thinking longer-term insurance products. They're thinking more: I need this now. I need to protect this now. And uh, that's where the organization is also looking to develop.
1: Yeah, awesome. Awesome. It sounds like there's a lot going on there from a tech perspective. You know, these things are, are often evolving rather than being revolutionary. So that's great to hear. Looking ahead now, what would you say are the the major challenges affecting insurance executives that you see coming to the fore? And how do you think they should be adapting to be successful in these times?
0: So like many of your other um, guests have spoken of the war on talent. I mean, the industry absolutely needs to bring in new talent. When we look at the number of people that are in that retirement age relative to the number of people we're bringing in, there is a gap. So we need to continue to develop um, talent coming into the industry but then, if we move more broadly, I would say the major challenges we face as an industry, you know the geopolitical climate, and this isn't unique to the United States, but if we look across the globe, um, there are challenges going on broadly across the world uh, that ultimately could impact the insurance industry. You know, nothing happens in this world without insurance. You can't buy a house, you can't buy a car, you can't enter a contract. you can't build a building. Insurance is the formative foundation for what happens in the world. Mm. Um, you know, social inflation, clearly something we see in the United States. And that's something that, you know, long term businesses pay for that social inflation adds to the dollar, the bottom line dollar of what they yep. pay for insurance. Um, increase in cats, we've seen that across the globe with mm. global warming, warming and the impact it's having on hurricanes and floods and, and wind, etc. And that's something that, again, as a global environment we need to address. And then I'd say more recently, cyber. Um, That is clearly something that impacts not only an individual, but a business, but a government. And clearly, it's something that I, I think has longer term impact for many industries out there.
1: Yeah, it certainly is, particularly as a lot more businesses now, like you said, are working remotely and those customers, rather than all being in one One building will be spread across the country or spread across the region on their own individual laptops or or desktops. I imagine over the the next year or two, there'll be a lot of increased cyber claims. That's that's for sure. Just don't
0: Uh, click on that email if you don't know who it's coming (laughs) from. (laughs) That's
1: great advice. (laughs) That's great advice. Michelle, it brings us nicely onto the espresso round, actually. So called as it's short, sharp, and straight to the point. So, Michelle, are you ready for, for an espresso? And know it's your, your third cup of the day. I am. Espresso? I am
0: geared up, Nick, ready to go.
1: Geared up and ready to go. Thanks very much.
0: The espresso round.
1: Michelle, what are the characteristics about your business, Chubb, that makes it such a great place to work?
0: So I know this is cliche, but I'm going to say it, it's the people. I mean, you don't stay at a company for 35 years mm-hmm. just because of the work. Let's be real. It's insurance. It's great, but it's the people. And as I said, I have so many formative uh, friendships and relationships here. But aside from that, it's the learning and development opportunities. It's the career advantages. Chubb is the world's largest property and casualty, publicly traded property and casualty insurer. Mm-hmm. We're in 54 countries, 33,000 employees globally. So there is tremendous opportunity across our footprint to develop a career and find a home for anybody who's looking for it. And I would also say that, you know, we as an organization invest in our people. When you think about all the transition folks have had to go through in the last year, there's a lot of focus on the employee and their well-being. We're running webinars on stress management, how to effectively manage a career and homeschool your children. I mean, these are real issues facing employees. And as an organization, we're very mindful of the impact on the mental and Mm. physical well-being of our employees, as well as obviously the impact to the industry.
1: Yeah, certainly, certainly sounds like the case. What opportunities do you provide to high-performing insurance professionals that want to progress their careers to the next level?
0: Well, we have formal leadership programs that we will put employees through. So if somebody joins a newer in their career, we have aspiring manager programs all the way up to experienced manager programs. We have mentoring and coaching. We have business roundtables, which are focused on diversity and inclusion. So if somebody would like to get involved in a broader leadership role in a business roundtable, there's that opportunity. We also have stretch assignments and rotations. We have a global program where we do transition employees to global assignments, both overseas, and then bring in folks from outside the U.S. into U.S. assignments.
1: It sounds like often speak to a lot of insurance professionals or or managers looking to make that next step, but they're they're a little bit unsure whether they have the right skills or the right experience. Certainly the. The management experience that's certainly not taught, you know, in the early stages of of one's career. It sounds like there's a lot of training for management and for people to move up to those next levels.
0: Absolutely, as well as technical training. So, you know, we run uh, quarterly webcasts on, you know, an earnings call debrief, so that our leaders all understand and our employees understand, you know, what's what is in our earnings announcement, how do you interpret it, et cetera. Mm. But as you look at the technical as well. You know, as we see individuals joining the industry, we train and develop them on underwriting products at Chubb, systems, et cetera. So we have a nice balance of both leadership as well as technical development opportunities.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And then and then, what do you guys look for then when you're, when you're looking to bring people into the business? What are the skills and behaviors that you're looking for from insurance executives?
0: Yeah, I would say de- definitely a demonstrated success. You know, do they know their business? Do they get into the weeds to deliver the results? It's important, especially if I'm interviewing somebody in the New York metropolitan area. I want to understand, you know, where have they built relationships? What's the success been? How have they delivered results to their organization? What was their business plan? Have they achieved it? Have they exceeded it? So clearly, you know, being able to deliver on those results is important. I would also say problem solving and be forward thinking. You know, it's one thing to meet the needs of your customers. But to go above and beyond and really deliver a, an exceptional experience as well as a differentiated experience is really important. And I look for that. I want to hear that from candidates. Where have you really helped deliver and solve a problem for yeah. you know, your, your customer or your agent or broker? And then I would also say um, leading with confidence, not arrogance. I think successful leaders show empathy. I think it's important that we look at our team more broadly. There's always going to be rising stars on your team. But you want to look across. Who else needs a little bit of help and guidance? Who needs some coaching and mentoring? And I think that's really important. That you, especially given where everybody is locked down for the last year, it's important you look broadly across your team to make sure Mm -hmm. everybody's being heard and getting those opportunities to develop and
1: succeed. Michelle, thank you for that. Spinning things onto the the other side of things, what would you say is the largest challenge you face in in that New York region for attracting new talent to the business, and what can be the biggest frustrations with that? Recruitment process.
0: Yeah, Nick. I would love if anybody listening to this wants to consider an opportunity at Chubb because I have some openings in our New York metropolitan area. (laughs) So competing for talent is really a challenge in the metropolitan area. And I think what we're seeing now is individuals that maybe have worked in New York City who are saying, I'm not sure I want to return. To New York City, maybe I want to work in a suburban office and we have those opportunities. So competing for talent, clearly critical. I would also say underwriting skills in very niche areas, such as life science or technology or large property. Those are skills that if somebody has really honed in on them, they really are in demand uh, in the marketplace. And then I would say the other biggest challenge is really attracting individuals to insurance. If somebody's coming out of college and they have the opportunity to go do something much more exciting, insurance may not be there. And I go back to a comment I made. Nothing in this world happens without insurance. And I think when individuals realize how impactful they can be to the global economy and the, the regrowth of the economy, uh, insurance plays a part in there.
1: Absolutely. I think, I think there's a lot of great takeaways from that, Michelle. I really like what you say about bringing people in from, from either outside the industry or, or trying to attract them out of college or out of school. There's often those other industries with the bright, shiny lights, but actually the insurance industry is an incredible industry to be part of. There's some incredible opportunities out there, and it's about how we as an industry educate people of those, of those opportunities.
0: Depending upon the experiences they come in with, if you're a Mm -hmm. fine arts graduate, Mm -hmm. consider an opportunity as a personalized appraiser at Chubb, working Mm -hmm. with our high net worth clients. Or if you have an engineering background, consider coming into a risk engineering position. Mm -hmm. So there really is a tremendous opportunity to parlay somebody's, you know, graduate or undergraduate degree into the insurance industry.
1: Yeah. Certainly. And I think it's interesting what you say about specialist underwriters or underwriters in specialty divisions being in high demand. We often have interesting conversations with candidates who so are considering that next move. Do they stay, try and keep their career, their skill set quite broad or do they go into a specialism? I think there's arguments either way, but I think encouraging someone to be specialist and be one of the best you know, at what they do can make them a real asset and, and give them a lot of value to their career. Would you, would you agree with that?
0: Absolutely. I mean, somebody with a broad generalist background, especially in you know middle market business, is an asset to any organization. And if we bring you on board, we can train you and really develop you in a very specialized niche hmm. uh, like technology or life science. Yeah. So, you know, we need to bring more talent into the industry and we know we're not going to fill all our needs. So. You know, let's bring you on board, and we'll train you up and make you successful for Chubb.
1: Fantastic, had a nice plug there already, Michelle, and I'll I'll let you have that one. Thank Um, you. (laughs) (laughs) If there are any insurance executives out there, though, in the in the US, considering their next opportunity, what would be your objective advice be to them?
0: Yeah, so I would tell them one, you know, obviously do their homework and research the company. You know, not every company is the same, not every value proposition is the same. So you want to make sure. You know the values align with, with your values and what you're looking for. Um, you want to pick a company that's financially stable and you want to make sure that it's able to weather whatever storm that may face the industry over the next five, 10 plus years or longer. I'm passionate personally about diversity and inclusion and working for an organization who puts focus on DNI is critical. It's critical to me. So if that's something important to you, and you want to seek that out in an employer, you should do your research on that. And I think also you want to make sure that, you know, see if you can reach out to anybody who works there, have coffee, find out, are they happy? Are they challenged? Are they motivated? Are they having their career you know, um, needs met as the organization, you know, as with any company, you have to deliver, it's all about you and what you're able to bring the company. But you also want to know that if you deliver for the company, that there is, you know, performance, and there's rewards for performance. Yeah. And that's important for anybody looking for a new career opportunity.
1: Yeah, fantastic, Michelle. I, I love that point that you you raised there about reaching out to somebody for coffee in the organization. I think a lot of people do that for internal roles or t- internal opportunities and that internal networking is so important and so so valuable a lot of our guests um, actually on our, our first season sort of talked about the power of internal networking but that external networking as well if it's a business that you think you could add a lot of value to and you think it's a great organization yeah why not reach out to some of their team and, and ask if they want to have a chat over a coffee to see what it's really like working there and see what opportunity it, it could give you I think that's Absolutely.
0: When my children were in the process of applying for college, I used to make them sit in the middle of the quad, wherever, whatever university we were looking at, sit in the center hub of where all the students are crossing the green in between classes. And and I'd say, do you visualize yourself here? Look around. Do you see yourself fitting in here? Because everything may look great on paper. You know, everything you read about the the college or university, the information sessions, But if you're sitting here and you don't see you in this crowd of students, then it may not be the place for you. And I really believe that applies for anybody looking for a new career opportunity. You have to make sure you see you in that
1: organization. Thank you, Michelle. That's brilliant. We've almost reached the end of our time together. Insurance Coffee House USA. Time has flown very quickly today, Michelle. And uh, you've given us lots of great advice already. Is there is there one piece of closing advice that you might have for our listeners? And how would they reach out to you after the show?
0: So they can reach out to me at mtwyman at chubb.com. That's my email, or I'm on LinkedIn as well. So by all means, happy to uh converse with anybody. And I would say my closing piece of advice, and I don't think this is unique to insurance, but I think it's life in general. To those that have, you know, earned success over their career, it's critical you give back. And I think even more so with everything the world has faced in the last year, give back. Lend a hand, mentor somebody, coach somebody, whatever way you can give back. I think it's important.
1: Fantastic, that's that's brilliant closing advice, Michelle. Really, really appreciate that. I think I think that's very prevalent, especially in the like you say in the world that we're living in at the moment. We'll post those contact details, a link to your LinkedIn profile, on the show notes today. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us in the Insurance Coffee House USA. Today. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show, and I'm sure our listeners would have gained a lot of. Great insights and advice from what we've been discussing today. So thank you for joining us.
0: Nick, thank you. It's been a an honor and a privilege and it's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much.
1: Pleasure's all ours and the privilege is all ours as well, Michelle. To all the insurance business leaders out there, whether you're based in the United States or internationally in the UK, Europe or around the world, we thank you for listening today. And I'm sure you would have gained a lot from what Michelle has had to talk about today. If you do enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. And remember that all important thing: please subscribe to the show so that you get each one of the episodes downloaded into your inbox each week. Till next time, I've been Nick Hoadley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House USA. Take
0: care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.